If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All conversations and information exchanged during participation in this podcast or interaction on the doctor.com website is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or physician medical advice or direction per se. You must always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing on these podcasts or posted on this site supplements or supersedes the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Please understand, I am not playing the role of physician in this environment per se. I'm educating. I am a licensed physician with specialty boards in American Board of Internal Medicine and American Board of Addiction Medicine. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Forrest and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Boys and girls, gather around that Galaxy Android device of yours and, and get ready for another episode of This Life with Bob and Drew. Now, now you're excluding the iPhone. Yeah, no, I'm getting away from the iPhone. I'm not, you know. It's, a, it's funny because I, I checked this out before I drove up here and I saw uh, of you guys watching something or doing something and I could see Drew in the distance watching TV. <laughs> yeah, football. I'm like, oh, okay. Are you ready for football? No, we've never done that. Well, introduce the guest. Introduce the guest. And I'll tell you, I've never done this before. It's because of the playoff of the Super Bowl. This, this is my buddy. Is. This is my pal, <laughs> Ashley Hamilton. The only person, only one of two people, bless you, Drew. Excuse me. I'm one of only two man. people that have been to more rehabs than myself. Really? This Impressive. gentleman right no, here. I think Robert Downey Jr. has a record. That's 45. <laughs> Who was the 45? other 45? Oh, really? Robert? Robert was in 45? I, I don't know. You're in, you're in 35? 32. 32. 32. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Martine, 35. Who was number 30? Has he beat me? No. <laughs> Who was? Who was number one? Marta, uh, Robert Downey, maybe. Oh, Robert, no, Robert was like 45, I think. It's crazy. Yeah. And people see that as insanity. I say, no. we know it's a solution. It just isn't working. We're trying again. Trying again. It's so cr- I see it as a hopeful thing, not this negative thing that everybody says. Yeah, but right? it's, it's so great to quit drugs up until it's time to quit drugs. Like we have was like <laughs> the greatest idea, you know, and then you dealt with this, while right? You're using, and both of you guys are all people. using quitting is yeah. a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, it has to it has to build on itself, and it has to come from a certain place. It has to come from you. Yeah, right. And it's hard, man. It's so hard. It's hard. It's so hard. I couldn't. I mean, I was the thing. Like, always, I remember being in Exodus. They're like, "Sir, you've been here thirteen times." And I'm like, <laughs> "They get a punch card or anything at this point." Like, and I'd always come up ways to bring stuff in. You know, like the speedball and the Cinnabon because they started hipping on me. Cinnabon, yeah, in the Cinnabon. Cinnabon. Remember, you put load it, put it in the Cinnabon, and then they don't. They can't look. They can't find it. Now you're gonna like bust somebody with it or burritos. That's a wild McDonald's hamburgers. Yeah, put it in the, in the thing for balloons and the hamburgers. No, you just already drawn up because they're quick to check. So you gotta, gotta do it. <laughs> And I, I, years later, I saw a guy named, do you know Dr. Cartaya? He's a doctor. No. He, he's like, you don't remember me, do you? And I'm like, no. I'm, I'm sorry. He goes, I saved your life. I go, you did? Uh, oh, should thank I thank you, you or no? <laughs> uh, but he goes, you OD'd, flatlined in excess in the, in the shower. Oh. And I had to revive you because it was, you know, I had the hospital room right there and wow. stuff. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't stop. But that's, it's so hard. And you, you deal with that too. And you too but very are. few people stop and go, man, that is hard. They just make note of it and support yeah. you on that basis, right? Yeah. I mean, and when you're in it, you may not care. You don't. Really, you're just like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And that's what's so scary because I'm sure you relate to this, Bob. Like, people will be like, oh, you're going to die. And you're like, promise? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's really? where it takes you. It takes me that that, that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and a lot of people would say, um, well, he's so fortunate. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard quotes about you before we became close, right? He's Sorry. so handsome. He's so talented. Uh, he comes from this family. Da, da, da. What the fuck's wrong with him? You, you had that from AA members coming at you. Yeah, I promise you never <laughs> feel that way. So it's, you right? know, like. get, That's what Drew, get that. He never felt that way. Ever. No, right? How, them, how could an addict possibly feel lucky? I wrote a yeah. song one time called Hurt about feeling so ugly and awful oh, and unlovable, so Trent, right? Trent covered that from you? Uh, no, <laughs> different kind. But, okay. but one of the handsomest, most successful people in the world said that that song spoke to him. That's how he feels. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's fucked up. 
Yeah. That song is not for people like you. Yeah, but but does, you isn't, it, I mean? isn't, it, isn't it a monument to how we are as human beings? It's right? weird. No matter what we got, we all feel some sense of inadequacy. Some, I mean, not everybody, but to be, from my point of view, interesting people feel inadequate, feel mm. unlovable, feel whatever. They have some sort of something in them. And that's you know that's the that's the human experience you know where something goes a little off track when we're kids and we carry it around the rest of our lives. I think forever. that's what, no what I'm going to show them. <laughs> I think that's what fuels relapse. A lot of it is not feeling worthy, not feeling whole, mm-hmm. not feeling lovable or loved, but, but the or inability becomes, to feel. But but you, I, I want to again caution everyone against thinking that somehow fixing that would fix addiction. You got to fix the addiction first, then you can start to work on that stuff. Now, what would you? We, you in the past, you and I have talked about how that's. You think that may be in a, in a lot of cases, an attachment injury. Well, I think that, but it reinforces and gets worse is over it, time. Is, is it an attachment injury or something else, or is it a multiplicity of things? It's, and, and try it's, to explain to people what you mean by an attachment injury. Because if somebody tells me they love me immediately, if I come from a traumatized background, I'm suspicious of that. Mm-hmm. What do they want? What the mm-hmm. fuck does that mean? Mm-hmm. So, right? So, so I'm defensive against allowing people to appreciate me, love me, be intimate right. so with you, me. So they can't even enter a frame with you right. to be close to you. Right. Okay. Then when they do and when it happens, and it happened many times before I got sober, mm. I would sabotage it. Sure. Mm. Right? Okay. And that's, I think, what... You know, the people that worked at Exodus, where you and I, you went 13 times, I went eight times. I love them still to this day. I still talk Mm -hmm. to Harold Owens every other week. Mm -hmm. Lori, who worked there, Mm -hmm. right? Kathy Kilgar, the nurse. Unbelievable Mm -hmm. people who I admired and I knew they cared about me. But as soon as I could figure out a way to but that's, to that's separate sabotage now, it. But that's now your addiction using your proclivities, right? Okay, so, so how addiction... does it do that? Because addicts don't understand Okay, that. so so you have this whatever this difficulty. Here's, here's how it happens. They say, Bob, we want you to stay an outpatient another month. I'm like, oh, fucking no way. Yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah. What they were really saying is let us love you another month. Uh-huh. Be a part of this. It's fun. And I would have had fun that whole month. Right, you go through the suffering for a month inpatient, then you're an outpatient, and they want you to stay longer. You're like, oh no, no. no okay, so so you have this thing in your head that's saying use or else. So it's it's got a the, all your usual priorities. But you don't think that. You don't think you don't know it because it's a motivational state. It's it's not it's not a conscious state. It's a motivational push, which is use, and anything that gets in the way of that is suspect. And if you have some psychological issue. That also motivates you against going forward. Like it's painful to get close to people; they might abandon me. Your disease is going. To go, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Get the fuck out of here. You see. Right. So now you have two motivations. You have a you have a do it again motivation, and you have an avoidant motivation. Both working on you. Now, if you got rid of the avoidant one, you'd still have that do it again thing going there. And that, so, that happens in so many relationships too, with like yep. women and all that yep. stuff. You yep. know, like like it's the same thing. It's just you get to a place where you just freeze up and want to run at a certain point. You know, like but but you got to how long? What's your longest period of sobriety? Five, five years. Yeah. And did you have a close relationship during like I did that? four of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So probably did better then. I did. Yeah. So you got to get the sobriety first, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then and then you can sort of start to creep into being close to somebody. But but I'm sure I'm sure you relate to this too, Bob. Like if it's so crazy, it's like no matter what you achieved or what you tried to get. Like I remember, so the first number one song I wrote was for a guy named Robbie Williams. It was right. like it was a song called "Come Undone." It's first smash. All I wanted to do was have one hit. I was like, if I could just have that, everything then would everything be, will be good. Yeah, yeah. you believe yeah. that, right? Like yeah. I believe it's still to this day. So insane. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. Like I still like. No, but this time, guys. This yeah. time. Now you're sober. Now it's yeah. going to work. Yeah. yeah, but I remember. I don't think Robbie Williams is going to have it, but somebody <laughs> no, but it, it, it was good. It was. It started a good place to go, but I know what you mean. Um, and I was writing for Liam Gallagher at the same time, too, so that whole dichotomy was very interesting, oh, too, because wow. they hated each other, and there were such different I'm worlds. Sure. And I was just saying that to, to, to somebody. I sent it to my girlfriend today. I was like, you can't. Like that's the thing about writing songs. If you, as an artist, you can fit in anywhere, and you just feel like because you don't really know who you are, you know. And and that works great as like a songwriter. As an artist, it's very hard because you can just jump in and become that, you know. Mm-hmm. Which is the chameleon thing, which is not so great. Not it comes good. from not issues. Good. Yeah, <laughs> not, not gonna have any. Not good. Jew. No, uh, no, no issues. <laughs> but but it, it does remind me of something that uh, I found to be true of everybody I found who have, has a public life that didn't first have a some other job other than their work in the public mm. 
they don't use their real name. They always use some pseudo name, some sort of nickname or something. Always, you know what I'm saying, Bob? Well, some do. But oh, I, my, my my real name uh, is more manly. It's uh, Stacy Hamilton. So. <laughs> is it really? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's funny. Yeah. Let's talk about your childhood. Where did you grow up? Beverly Hills, I assume. Um, yeah, I grew up in Beverly Hills, Santa Monica. Did you go to Beverly Hills High Van- School or Crossroads or Brentwood Academy? Where did uh, you I went, go? Where did well, you go? Okay, I'm trying to remember it all. These uh, are all those schools where all drug addicts come from, Drew. The I went best to, I schools went to, uh, in Hollywood Los Angeles. I went, to, I went to El Rodeo. My mom married Rod, right, when I, when I was three or four, I guess. What was that like? Freaky? We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you got any volume so I can talk about it? <laughs> oh, we don't want to trigger you. <laughs> no, it's, it's fun. And then they it's had fun. a child right away, did they not? They did, they did. How'd that go for you at five? Uh, it was all right. I mean, it was different. Did you, you know? like having a little brother? I don't know. I'm not sure. It was a sister first. Oh, sister. But, uh, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> That's I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure. But I thought but, you and Sean are about the same age. How it, much younger is he? Six, six years younger than me? You know oh. who was a friend of mine in high school was Tony Peck. Oh, yeah, of course. They live right next door uh-huh. to you guys. Right next door. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't that weird? I know. That was, That's what's great about the areas. You never, you don't know who your neighbor, you might know who your neighbors are, but you never have one conversation with them. Because everybody's <laughs> just in gates. You know, like, yeah. we, don't want, we don't want any walls, but everybody has big walls around <laughs> everybody. <laughs> like, it's so crazy. Oh, the liberals don't want walls except around their estates and Gregory Peck's son was uh, so, yeah yeah he's and, he's been doing great forever though really good yeah and uh, so he was an addict as well oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. interesting yeah. but well, it's, it's, but it's it's fascinating because so like so I grew up there and then my dad at twelve is like kid my real dad he's like you got you got I'm like your, your real dad who George. every time I see your George, eyes yeah. I think well yeah. I don't know a lot but I know he played evil Knievel. yeah that's all he uh-huh. like. Every time I see him on a commercial or something, yeah. I'm like, I try to first. I try to explain who Evil Knievel is, yeah, and that your I dad know, played I him know. in the movie. It was just, I was like, how old when that came out? What year did that come out? It was the late seventies, right? Yeah, I was like seventeen or something. How many like, times it was he like, on the uh, Johnny Carson show? I don't know. Hundreds. I, never, I swear to God, he was Hundreds. there all the time. Really? Drew's like the uh, George Hamilton of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. He's a great storyteller, though. He like, is a. I've I've spoken to your dad before. Yeah. Right? But yeah, how did he convince Evil Knievel to let him play him? Because Evil Knievel wasn't my the easiest guy to my dad's deal a with. Great hustler, I gotta tell you. Is he's he got the yeah. gift of gab, man? You're talking like, about Evil Knievel, yeah, Drew. Yeah. At that time, was the biggest rock star. There was Muhammad Ali, Evil Knievel. George Hamilton convinces Evil Knievel, who's about the same age as him, to let him play him in his biopic. Yeah. And then he gets John Milius, who wrote a. Apocalypse Now to write it, <laughs> Holy but like shit. he didn't know how. He's like, I don't think so. And finally, John Milius goes to my dad, "Okay, George, I want guns, gold, and women." And he's like, <laughs> my dad's like, "I can do that for you. I can do that for you." <laughs> so he just gave him a ton of drugs, put him up in Palm Springs oh in his house, and oh they stayed there. Real evil, evil. Oh my God. <laughs> Have you ever seen it, Drew? Never saw. Lauren Bacall plays the. Because I, I, wife, right? I think I was aware. No reporter. The reporter. I think I was sort of aware of what Evil Knievel actually was as a human being. Oh yeah, and I didn't, I didn't dig it. Oh yeah, my dad said he was a scary dude. Yeah. Scary yeah. alcoholic. I yeah. know what it was yeah. like living with Rod Stewart. Okay. Okay, but Rod Stewart. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> His hair moose babysitted me once. That's all I can say. <laughs> right. No, um... It was cool. I mean, you know, people ask that, but you just don't know difference, really. You know, like, uh, what's it like to grow up and, and you just don't know anything different as a kid, I feel like. You know? So did the musical side come from? That being- that part was awesome because you, I got, they, they would rehearse in the, in the garage there all the time. Remember so. the bass player, Chinese guy? Uh, Chin. Well, there was Carmine. No, the bass player. I bought. There was Jim. I, I bought his amp. I don't. I don't remember. They had white amps. They had like ampegs put with white. I think that was later. That was seventies. Was that seventies? Right. Yeah. I don't. But, I can't help you out with that, Bob. But sorry. Chen. <laughs> Chen. His name was. He was a really we good bass player. It. Yeah. But so you grew up around music. Then you know that songwriting yes. is the most important part of music. Correct. That you were taught Correct. at a very early age, and I think a lot of musicians, children. Know that mm. because what is it Rod Stewart thinking about? What is what mm. is Liam Gallagher thinking about? What is everybody who makes music thinking about all the time? Writing songs. Yeah, I say you're going to say drugs. Well, <laughs> well, drugs. Well, when they're not about drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to have something to motivate the yeah. writing of drugs. Yeah. No. I mean the writing of songs. Yeah, and so you 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 learn that environment. I always had so many so many nerves. I hated being in front of people. I hated like playing. I just it made me so uncomfortable. I, I would shake and like I had spasticol and they had 
mean, Fina Barbatol. Oh, my God, early. 13, yeah, early. Shit, that early. may be where this all kicked in. Yeah, it's terrifying. I mean, you got to understand something. When they expose your nervous system to those kinds of drugs early, it, it amplifies the effect, yeah. right? yeah. And oh, so we, some people just don't have that, you know, and I, I had it. I, I hated doing live stuff, you know, writing, no problem. But like the artist stuff, I just didn't, I just didn't enjoy it. You know, I felt really super uncomfortable. It was terrible. Well, what what you know, teenager can get in front of people and perform? That's hard. Well, he eventually yeah. did. He got yeah. over his stage fright with heroin bit. and cocaine. Okay, yeah, well, then, <laughs> then I was just paranoid on stage. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's like, oh, you hate me? Don't worry, I hate me too. It's just gonna go down fine tonight. <laughs> yeah, we got mutual love. Mutual hey, love. Hey, Susan Bob, the bass it's player. Tetsu Yamauchi. Wow. Oh, okay. Wow. As a bass player. What what year was that? I don't know. Oh wow, that was before yeah. my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but he had a white amp. It was on sale at, at Guitar Center. And we grew up. <laughs> yeah, we grew up a lot. In the, oh, I was at the Thanks Guitar Center. I thought you guys were yeah, friends. No, Bonnie. Felonious. I thought you got it from him. Felonious sponsor. Bob was sounding like he knew the guy so well. <laughs> no, I knew. Oh, the Guitar Center. Okay. I was at the Guitar Center, yeah. and that stuff was for yeah. sale. And I was like, "That's the guy from Rod Stewart's band. We got to buy yeah, that." Like, I got that guitar from Slash <laughs> Guitar Center. Yeah. <laughs> But it's true. But I grew up a lot in the road, too. So I didn't know, like, just traveling a lot, you know, so tutored and traveling. But you wanted to do it, obviously, from a young age. You wanted to be a musician. Mm. Or were you pushed into it? No, I I definitely, I loved, I love music, you know. Um, And then my dad at 12 was like, you got to get out of here, man. I'm like, I know I got to get out of here, too, at 12. What? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I was like, I got to get out of this town. At 12 years old, like, that's how crazy I knew it was. And and your dad says you got to get out of... Oh my god! You went to boarding well, school, Street, Switzerland. Hills. Where'd you go? <laughs> oh my god! No, I went to military school. Military yeah. school. That's uh-huh. a good one. Yeah. Where? Uh, Lebanon, uh, Tennessee. Castle what, what was military. that experience like? Castle for you? military. Academy. I tell you what, a little different than Rod Stewart's house in Beverly Hills. <laughs> yeah, not just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, like, more guys. <laughs> are you already smoking so weed? Did they um, know you were doing drugs? No, uh-uh, nothing. No, no, I wasn't doing drugs or anything. Oh, okay. at, at, at what was this? How George pushed this? Or yeah, but I wanted to go too. My friend Auburn Grant was going to military school. It sounded like a great idea it's like the early what? alcoholic what the? thing where you're like the fantasy of it sounds so great and then you get there and like drop down and give me 10 20 right. i mean they give me 10 fatty because i was really fat so i said <laughs> 10 20 i don't know what i'm saying but um <laughs> i was really heavy at that point so right. yeah. yeah so i wanted to go and to answer your question it was great because uh you start to learn for the first time that you have to all depend on each other uh-huh. and the structure and envi- you know the environment of everybody together like that and the camaraderie is really like it's good it, why'd it, you hate rehab so much it's the same yeah, thing exactly it <laughs> wasn't no a, drugs Exactly. Wasn't no drugs. Wasn't enough like that. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. Uh, yeah, and then you, f- and then you become an addict, and then you fight all that stuff, right? right? Like the one thing we need, that structure and, and discipline and stuff. Well, Dr. Blum, who uh, we worked with for years, that was Drew's partner, went to boarding school as oh, a kid. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. And he said the first thing he learned when he got into boarding school at, at earlier than 12, I think, was they'd play um, chess and then whoever lost had to take shots oh, out of yeah. the sure, out of the yeah. chess pieces. They sure. were all filled with boots. Huh. Like that's what you learned. So at I, think you, I, think you, I think you drank each piece as you yeah. got knocked off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I got kicked out that following year, so I went. To, then I went to those kind of schools, but military <laughs> school wasn't like that yet. Yeah. And then you come back to Hollywood at sixteen. No, yeah, fifteen. When did you 14. start your first band? Is then right? Fourteen. I got signed to Atlantic at fourteen. Oof. Okay, yeah, that is not. So, what's the difference between yeah. military school and just boarding <laughs> and school? <laughs> you learn how to shoot a gun or no, no. U- drugs? Access to drugs and girls. Uniforms in military school yeah. too, right? Yeah. You, uniforms and, and drills. Like and really, you learned like how to shoot a gun or just a stuff. lot of. Kind of, but they were careful with that stuff because of liability and stuff. But it was run all by military. If you did ROTC, you could. Then you do that and you go out and you do all all the the jumping. Was there a movie with with, uh, Timothy Hutton and all those guys about a military school and Sean Penn was in it? Oh, Taps. Taps. That was great. Was that your experience? No, no, no. You didn't take over the school? No, I was too much of a pussy to do that. (laughs) They'd paddle you there. It would hurt. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not taking over school if they paddle you. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) Not, not about it. Not Do about they it. get a lot of like kids that are Troubled? juvenile delinquents? <laughs> I don't like know. Or just more I, rich kids with. I, with I don't know. Parenting I, problems. It's or, a mix. It's a mix. It's a mix, but yeah. you're so it's so regimented. Reg, how do you say the word? Regimented. Thank you, Anya. Don't mock me. Um, <laughs> that you say, you say, I'll just look at you. <laughs> you say, yeah, that like you know your sergeant, you know first private first class, all stuff. So there's you know hierarchy. Hi, I was just and kids, and young, young, young males respond to hierarchies like crazy. Yeah, oh, we yeah. really yeah. respond to them. Yeah. So yeah. then you get you come back, you get 
I, I had always heard you had your first band when you were 16. So you're 14, but you didn't really have a band. It was just you, right? And then you had to be in a band, make yeah, a band. Yeah, they do all band. that. Yeah, I had some people I worked with, yeah, at that, that point. And know. that's when... We had pink guitars and stuff, and long hair. It was that? <laughs> Thank God, there's no videos of that. Now, you just, now it's now it's horrible because Google just ruined your dating life because they can look back 30, 30 years. I'm glad they couldn't look back forty years. It's even worse. I used to run into your dad backstage at concerts. Which one? At, at, like K Rock concerts and stuff. Oh, he was always there. Rod? No, not your dad, dad, but Rod Stewart. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Kimberly and Sean, all those guys go to that stuff. But right. it's it's it's. I mean, you know, growing up in that kind of stuff, I guess it's just. You don't know any difference, but you learn real quick that people want stuff. And that's where you. Yes. And there's where your lack of trust starts. Mm-hmm. You start to find that out re- real early You know, on. Th- I was thinking about it as you were talking. I, 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 I remember Tony being that way, too. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember that whole just going up into that neighborhood was, was yeah, weird for else. me. It was yeah. very like, whoa. Yeah. Like, whoa. I no wonder people feel uncomfortable. You know? Yeah. Like, you, go, you go into their kitchen, and the kitchenette, here's, you know... Fred Astaire sitting there, yeah. crotchety old Fred talking to Gregory Pack, and you know, they're like, "Geez, this is a whole parallel universe," and and that people want access to. I don't want to know that Fred Astaire was crotchety. He's happy. Was, he's was always he not? dancing. I don't, you guys know. I don't know. He's in well, your neighborhood, he's old, yeah. he was old and crotchety. Trust me. <laughs> so, but but it it <laughs> was it was such a it was like it was like uncomfortable, like walking on eggshells, and it didn't feel. Easy. It didn't feel natural. It didn't feel comfortable for yeah. you. And I, for I didn't feel like it. I felt like I grew up in a museum, you know, because the lamps were like thirty grand. You couldn't touch this. You yeah. couldn't go there. Right. You couldn't like. It was. It was so bizarre that that part of that. And where like, was your dad living? The same neighborhood. Yeah, he Did was. Did you go over to his house a I, lot? You know, at that point, him and my mom weren't friends. Like now, they're the best of friends, but they weren't. They weren't really talking then. So I would see him. You know, he was always working a lot, so I'd see him when I when I could see him. You know, okay. so at that time, it was mainly Rod. And, but was he in that hood too? Was he up in that? Yeah, area? Been right he was. There. I think he was in Beverly Hills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's funny is you guys are recalling okay, something. Dude. Well, but but. I one of my closest friends growing up was Gene Kelly's son Tim, yeah. and we'd go over there, and Gene would drink, and he'd do singing in the rain, and it was just the funnest house but, in the world. But you know, I, I, that was below Sunset. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Not, yeah, we don't. Yeah, you we weren't don't. allowed to go to bad neighborhoods like <laughs> South of Sunset. <laughs> You think I'm kidding too? They wouldn't let us ride south of sunset on our bike. What was Gene Kelly doing south of sunset? Yeah, well, <laughs> With bad, you, bad investment, oh, man. Probably. I don't but know. I, I figured out because we like you have that dope fee mentality as a kid. I think it's in you if you had that addict mentality. Then yeah. so already I was like hustling. So like at eight I was selling you know autographs of Rod Stewart through the gate. <laughs> and See, that's like, weird. Oh yeah, but, I, go, but I don't blame you. I would. I, that's the world you were in. This fishbowl, right? Oh, yeah, it's like a weird fishbowl. Makes some dough. I was making money for my GI Joe. Yeah. They laughing? Would Rod know about it? No, hell no. They just have a stack in the kitchen. I knew That's how to so forge cool. the signature. You know they're, they're already signed at the bottom, so you just had to say the name. And, you know, on one hand, you go, "Hey, industrious! Yeah. What, a, what a cool, awesome. cool thing the kid does." No, but, I used but to it was, do that too. Yeah. You used to do that. I used to sell loves of bread to the neighbors. Yeah, but. If that's, your dad was, if that's a little nicer. That's that's different. That's because you care. Maybe you're concerned. Take you want my them to eat. Bread, go next door and say my mom. Take my mom their money I, with fake autographs. Yeah, different neighborhoods, different things. But but you, so you're about the same age as the Menendez brothers, right? <laughs> no, they're, 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 they're south of sunset. They're, exactly. They're south of sunset. <laughs> south. <laughs> that's why you that's weren't allowed to go to down me. there. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, um, I, I. You're about the same age. The no, same no, they're point. older than me. Are they? Yeah, because they were already like seniors when that went down. You know. Oh, okay. Because the newest thing, Drew, and I, I've already bought it on eBay. It's been spotted by Slam Magazine that the Mark Jackson 1989 basketball card, the point guard for the New York Knicks, who's now a television analyst, mm-hmm. sitting in the front row, equal size to Mark Jackson, oh, yeah, are this. the Menendez yeah, brothers. I saw that. So, I bought, so, you so, saw it? Yeah, I saw it. I the... bought it on eBay. It's coming to my house. Wow. It'll be here Monday or Tuesday. Oh, so, Drew, you're probably wondering why we've gathered this meeting for you. <laughs> yes, it's, it's to do with your football addiction. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We're yeah. concerned. My wife, my wife put the damn thing on. Turn it off. <laughs> it's going cool, it's man. Poor Ashley no. catches me I like the more you ignore me, the more I like you. No, no, it's good. It's, it's actually interesting. You know what I'm talking about, Bob. It's perfect. Yeah. We're addicted to football. So. Yeah. But so that neighborhood. But it then, is a close game. Then, but then 
by I'm trying to think of what year I met you. So Martine was playing bass with you when? What year is that? You know what's so crazy? I just had Victor a, I have, and Martine. Let me get back to that really quick. I had a vision of us. We did the Love Line when it was a TV show. I remember. Oh, were you on the TV show? Yeah, yeah, but I remember the radio we did a bunch of times. And I yeah. remember I was breaking up with this girl. And I remember he said to me, this, I've to, I still tell people this today. He's like, don't contact her. Because every time you contact her, it's like going to the dope man's house. You got to start all over again. And I always remember that. That's what I've been saying about Pete Davidson for his whole mess. You know, it's like, stay away. Stay yeah. away, forget. Yeah, like every breakup after or people, it's so true. You like it's like taking a hit again. It, it starts at, all 100%. over. Hundred percent. You you can you can maybe go back after six months, maybe. It's but so even true. then, it's like a little bit of a chip. You're still chipping. It's a little so bit. true. Speaking of chip, I got to take a break. Be right back. <laughs> oh my god. Well, CBDs are everywhere, right? Everyone's talking about them, and it's a topic that I get asked about all the time. Bottom line on CBD, although there are way more claims made about them. The clinical evidence right now, it's not all that clear, but many people are using it and reporting great results, and they are very encouraging. So I want to first define exactly what I'm talking about here. CBD is cannabidiol, an extract from hemp. While you might associate with marijuana, CBD does not cause reinforcement. It is not the reinforcing component of hemp, but it is what's responsible for the calming or some of the relaxing effects that many people experience, not the high. Now about the products. There are a ton of them on the market today. For getting the vast array of the reported health benefits, it's important to be aware of what you're buying. I was recently introduced to a company called Select CBD, an Oregon-based company that focuses on high-quality ingredients and manufacturing standards, not the hype. Their CBD-based products are available in a wide range of formulations and flavors, each of which is described to you so you can make an informed decision without all those promises that are probably too good to be true. Like I said... The reported benefits of CBD by individuals using this are very compelling. I'm excited to see how things develop as the science catches up with this booming industry. As usual, the public is ahead of the science. I can't make explicit claims yet, but boy, the reports are pretty encouraging. So if you're ready to try CBD, I encourage you to check out Select CBD. To learn more, go to drdrew.com select. That's on my site, drdrew.com S-E-L-E-C-T. And for a limited time, you can save 25% at checkout with the code Dr. Drew, D-R-D-R-E-W. Again, drdrew.com slash select, and then the code D-R-D-R-E-W. Oh, wait, are we back on? Yeah, we're we back on. Okay. Drew, we're back. Yeah, Say we're, we're back. back, Drew. He wants to watch this kick. Hold on. Wait, let's see. If, okay. We're back. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> yeah, this, wait, this is a different kind of kick. Don't worry, people. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we're back. But so... <laughs> Probably, what is it, 90, 91, you're playing with Victor and Martine, and you're around Scott 90. a lot. Scott Wiley. Way later than that. It's 95, 93? 96. 96? 97, 98. Uh, okay. Yeah, what years? Yeah, yeah. That's when I first met you. So. Did you use with Scott, too? Yeah. Mm. Yes, that's right. That's right. I realized that after five years, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but Bob did too. Yeah, right? Bob yeah, yeah. Bob is it's a strange thing working with Bob because we'll be working with somebody for not year. as much as I did with other people because Scott was a tightwad and he didn't like sharing and he wasn't <laughs> much. Yeah. He'd always say he didn't have any. I go to that studio in the valley and be like, dude, I'm really sick. Really? He must like, not oh. like to you because he hooked me up. <laughs> oh. So we be working for somebody for two years. We'll be working. I was just willing to do certain things, Bob. That- <laughs> but that guy Doug was always around Doug, too. Yeah, I love he, Doug, he, yeah. didn't, he didn't oh want God, me around. Is Doug no. still alive? Yeah, Doug's still alive. Yeah, he. Um, yeah, yeah. No, he was sober through all that. He relapsed actually. Oh, you kidding? Yeah, yeah. After Scott died, or no? No, during I think. Towards oh, the, yeah, Scott has that effect on you. So Bob and I can be working on something for two years, world. and all of a sudden he'll go, "Oh yeah, that guy used to twelve step me, or that guy used to run with back in the." I'm like, why, why did you tell me that? We worked I with the guy for Drew, two years. I was a drug addict in the heart of the of Hollywood Th- that's, from '83 to '95. And, and what that taught me was, you guys all ran together all it's the all, time, we both all in, know a, each in other. treatment and out of treatment. Here's it's, the interesting thing: whenever I see documentaries about the '80s LA, it's all wrong. Like all the heavy metal people and. And the punk rockers, we were all hanging out together. Anybody who was a drug addict was hanging out together. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Robin Crosby from Rat was you with one River, of my River, River main, also Ashley main River. running buddies. River River I, I was, I was, I, I, well, I wasn't there. I, I was Halloween night, and I, it's the time when I was with Shannon Doherty. Funny enough, that's a whole other <laughs> story. Um, and then I, okay, oh, did you go, try to go to the Viper Room one time, and she, she couldn't get in? I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know. He wasn't with her. With yeah. She wasn't with him. I was just so high because I was with her that I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I remember I drove by and they, they, there's this kid on the ground and they were trying to like, oh my God. you know, tell me the uh, word again, Joe. 
Resuscitation. Yes, resuscitation. Yeah. That's the way my brain works, too. Yeah. I'll be calling on you for stuff. Yeah, no, for games. That's all good. It's all good. What's that thing with uh, country states on it? Country uh, states. Uh, on. Yeah, on. Yeah, um, no, and, and they were trying to bring him back, whatever, and that was River. And I didn't Jeez. realize. I know. Yeah. I saw I saw that that Ooh, night. Yeah. So crazy. So, so crazy. So that. I was using and then I was but, sober. So and then everybody was either sober or using yeah. and I was trying to help them. So there's not Or they were a trying lot, to help you. A lot of musicians that I didn't But I but I know, I, I know you agree with this, so I wanna ask I wanna ask you what he thinks. Do you think Back then, when we were drug addicts, right? How right. it was then, like just the way everything is compared to drug addicts now. Because he works in treatment now, so he's okay. a little thrown yeah, yeah. by the new version of yeah, drug yeah. addicts. So go ahead, ask question. Do you believe it's different? Oh, it's very different. Okay, yeah. It, it's different for a number of reasons. There are the biggest difference, well, one of the big differences is that there are people that are, that are now addicted to pills and opiates mm-hmm. that would never have been addicts. Yeah. They may have been alcoholics, some of them, but most of them never, certainly never mm-hmm. addicts were it not for the medical system bringing this on. Mm-hmm. So that, that's one population. The other issue is the younger addicts are not like you guys were when you were young addicts. They're, they weren't selling your de- their stepdad's autographs at eight years old. <laughs> right. They right. can't even figure out to do that now. <laughs> right. You guys had, you guys had a hustle. Hustle. You were, you were antisocial, right? You're yeah, an antisocial yes. thing, and, and it was a rebellion and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now it's a capitulation or something. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to describe it yet. I can't figure it out. It just it's a it's a deadening of sorts. And it's, right. it feels like it's through society, right? And social yeah. media, yeah. The way it's like everything's so deadened, and every, you watch everybody, and they're just like this, yeah. And they, it, it's like we represent these demigods, or we look up to these demigods, or yeah. ourselves, since nobody. It just seems like there's no connection anymore. There's no connection. You know? and, that, and that's – so early on we were talking about addiction being initiated by an attachment problem. I, I'm not even sure – this is a different kind of attachment issue. We, we talked about our early attachment problems. No atta- yeah, it's not – This is like a – This is, is non-attachment, dis- disconnected. Yeah, but it's a, ta- it's a disconnect. It's like a willful disconnect or something. But I, let, I me, let me add this. When last episode, or we were talking about Today. who are gods okay. of of junkiedom, right? William Burroughs, Keith mm-hmm. Richards, right? Um, there's reasons why those people are. One of the most interesting avant garde writers of all time, William Burroughs, one of the greatest songwriters who's ever lived. In Keith Richards, they were celebrated, and they were junkies, and there was some pull, gravitational pull, to what artists they were. The, there is no attract- artistry to Ariana Grande okay, so, or so, Jennifer Lopez. Well, but- there is no artistry that you're pulling towards. So the idolatry of those types of icons mm-hmm. means nothing. Well, there's n- there's no substance. You're you're, to you're it. passing judgment on cultural values, right? How dare you! First of all, <laughs> I'm outraged. Uh, secondly, secondly, you're right that there was a culture around drugs that was a very specific culture. We used to before you got to working with me, we used to think about creating a separate heroin track. So we were we were creating a different culture for them to feel comfortable because right. our, our heroin recovery. And then I just brought it by becoming the counselor. Yeah. Well, we had we had we had some pretty hardcore heroin addict yeah. recovery staff at the time who were advocating for this, and we were sort of trying to figure out how to do it. We just never did it. But they were poly but, substance. But, but I liked how it was done too back then. Like <laughs> they even, were even Timmins and all that. Like the way it was done, it was so different back in the day. Just as far it was as direct and honest correct. and communal. And right? now you can't say anything to anybody because insurance companies this that. You yeah. can't be like, well, there's a fucking door. Yeah. Sorry, I just caused it. Well, that's yeah, what yeah. I. That's what I. I. You know. That was one that's of my Drew's favorite term. Well, that's why we went bankrupt. <laughs> it's one of my favorite therapeutic interventions. Yeah, which is and our out, senses would be here. like eight, and yeah. I'd be like, you know, come on now, we got to figure out something else to say. Because there's so many options now. You can be like, okay, yeah. later. Because you, know. you know, at Lost and Seniors, you ever there as a patient? I visited tons of people. Okay, there. so they would they would act crazy or they'd want benzos and he, they knew that Drew would send them up to the front where they could get prescription drugs, right? Mm. And I'd be, and that was your thing. Okay, well, I'm, then we're going to transfer you. Bye. Goodbye. And I'd be like, no, we get, oh, now we got nobody. We're going to have to float <laughs> our, our second Well, I, that I wasn't, I wasn't so um, 
such a hatchet man with that. But when somebody was playing cat and mouse and hiding crack pipes out over the wall yeah, and stuff oh, like yeah. that, I said, goodbye. Yeah, I know a goodbye. Few of those people. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's and, it. And, and what do you think? I'm sure you guys talked about this a gazillion times and don't really want to bring it up, but I'm just curious yeah. to hear your view on the whole buprenorphine maintenance thing. So fine for the right people. Well, here, here's our, our base, and I think I'm going to speak on your behalf. You tell me if I misspeak. We were originally very concerned because both of us got into this field to create recovery. And our sense of recovery was a fully flourishing, mentally healthy individual who was engaged in life fully and being of service and blossoming in the way that we saw so many of our patients blossom. That's what interested us. That's what we wanted people to share. That's what we wanted to bring people to, right? And we saw lots of it. We saw we, we never had a we never thought, oh, this is never going to happen for anybody. It happened all the time. And we never ever had any trouble detoxing anybody ever. It it wasn't as though I was sitting there going, Jesus, how are we going to get these heroin off? I have heroin. I can't get them off heroin. Yeah. Never had a problem with any. Five days. Five days off, done, no problem. I didn't come there. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> I mean, but, like, months, you know, but, but, but month. actually, we were pretty good at it. We were yeah, pretty yeah, good yeah. at making it comfortable. Saints, I mean, baby! <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, but be that as it may. Uh, uh, so, so when Buprenorphine came There's along. There's actually no game on it. You okay? <laughs> So then buprenorphine came around and they were trying to pressure me to use it as a mm-hmm. detox med. The reason I didn't is having an opiate or a benzodiazepine on the unit made it impossible to run the unit. Because everybody wants it then. Because everyone's spinning about getting the drug, getting the drug, getting the drug. And our nursing station was integrated into the treatment unit, Remember if you ever visited yeah, yeah. there. And so I was like, no, I'm sorry. We just, I can't run the unit like that. So we're, I'm just going to make a decision that we're going to have a certain philosophy of care, a certain way of doing care. Now we're many, many years later, and people are saying it's malpractice. If you don't put people on replacement therapy, the risks of a death are too high. We didn't have people die very often until yeah. doctors started putting people back on opiates. Our heroin addicts did that. Our alcoholics yeah. died more than our heroin addicts, if you remember. Yeah. So we and, didn't do benzos either? No, no benzos. No, like well, we use them for, we'd use uh, for alcoholics. Yeah. We'd use Librium. Yeah. But, but, but what about her- for opiates? No. What would you use? Phenobarb. Oh, yeah, Phenobarb, of course. Yeah. That's the old time. Rock, your, some quantity. Yeah, Good old chlorohydrate when we, we yeah. could get that stuff. Good night. Like green pills. <laughs> yeah. you, but, but I'd use a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'd use a ton of it, and we'd it would have work. People, we'd have people, like, he. there was a term there, like, They'd be complaining. Like if yeah. you were there as a client, you would have been complaining. For sure, guys. And, Let's get that straight and right and now. One of <laughs> us would have just <laughs> said to the nurse, which is Sasha, put him to sleep yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We would we, <laughs> put we him I to could sleep I could for do a that Exodus, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. could do that for you. Because your you blood pressure yeah. we'll take you down. Yeah. Eighty over fifty, is that when you go to <laughs> yeah, sleep? Totally. That's that'll be all right. And no. the doctors nowadays and I think rightfully so, the quality of care is so Poor, it's just not that great. It's all over the place. You, you lower people's blood pressure to that, they're going to die. But, but my, I'm telling you, they're yeah. going to smuggle drugs in. They're going to something so, bad's going to happen. Somebody's not going to do their check. That's why people are hesitant to detox opiates the way that you were. So my question is: is then like now they're putting? I think to use buprenorphine to, as a, a taper to detox. Sure, great, no problem. But now you put people on maintenance. Well, now. We're looking at a half life that's so long. Why not put them on methadone at this point? Like, why not? Why not put them on heroin? Why not put them on heroin maintenance? Yeah, they do not? that. I was in I was in heroin maintenance in England when I lived over yeah, there. Why like, not? And it ended up horribly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but to be fair, the reason why not? But it wasn't a twenty one day taper. <laughs> no, it was a six month taper. But the taper was upwards. <laughs> and to be fair to people, I swear it, to God. it is a different chemical, and it's yeah. a mu agonist, and yeah, it's got partial, and, yeah, and yeah. all this stuff. And so it actually is different in terms of how its biology works. And so right. it's it is safer, and it is gearing more towards the probability of being able to tape you off. It does correct some of the behavior and the thinking and stuff. But you're going to have to be uncomfortable. And add a, and pay, doctors don't have how to let people be uncomfortable. They go, oh, you're having withdrawal symptoms? Oh, no, you're craving? Oh, no, no, we can't. Oh, no, oh, no. Yeah. Craving? Oh, my God. Cravings? I've, I always look for cravings in my patient. I want them to crave because yeah. that's your disease telling you it's okay. Yeah. Now, if you're overwhelmed by cravings, I will help you. But if it's just some cravings and thinking and preoccupation, yeah, get in the meeting. Get in there and talk yeah. about it. And so, you know, so the point is it, the, it upended everything we were doing. And so it sort of concerned us. I, 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 you know, we have so many homeless with no resources, you know, mm-hmm. shit. I, I mean, 
disasters out there, yes, buprenorphine could save lives that way. But if you actually came in and wanted treatment, I'd be like, mm, I don't know. I, I, buprenorphine maybe for a while, but soon off, man. I Off. Okay, so I, this is where I want to say is my experience for me is that but you're I, working in a place. It's, well, hold, it's, before not, we get to it's the, outpatient, right? No. It's oh, you have inpatient. And, and outpatient, and outpatient yeah. by is a whole other set of Correct. problems Correct. associated with it. But go ahead. But no, I was just so my, my my thing was they said to me at a certain point, listen, you're a chronic relapser. It's time for you to go on maintenance. You have all this stuff in your life. I was like, great. You know, it sounds great. Yeah. Now, in the beginning, it was great. I felt great. Like, I had energy. I go, this is, this is was, sobriety. Was, was it methadone or I'm in. No, it's buprenorphine. I've done methadone yeah. too. But, but then it stopped working. I stopped getting the euphoria. I started getting really depressed. Now I was just taking it to not get sick. Like I don't use drugs to not get sick. I don't remember eight milligrams, eight, eight twice a day. Something yeah, like that. yeah, maybe. which is a modest dose. It's not yeah. a low dose. But it, it stopped working. And Did he, somebody try to increase you? I don't like, even, put you I, sixteen twice a day. Or yeah, no, but people report but, this depression a lot, especially I, I, I was real drug addicts. I was unmotivated to do anything except sit there and watch TV and not go out. Whatever, how it affects the brain. You know, but you got to understand that there are lots of people in my field who would say that's a treatment success. Yeah, not for me. Not I, for me either. Here's the issue. I need to be able to connect with this man right here yeah. and know I'm the yeah. same way he is. And we have no fucking secrets yeah. and we're the same. Right. That's yeah. how That's how I recover. You know, and if I live the secret. Just, and I would argue that's, that's, that's the magical yeah. realm of spirituality, yeah. which is that space that you two create together. And that's where brains heal. Brains heal one another. Yeah. And especially from horrible spiritual maladies like addiction. Otherwise, you're doing a half measure, and you're yeah. sort of making somebody chronically ill. Yeah. And and maybe that's the best you can do in some cases. I, I would hate to see that for you. It, and it's just not good for me. I've, yeah. I've tried it. You know, yeah. I, I I know I'm living a lie, and that's the worst part. And it kills me inside. And then I'm just like, well, I might as well go shoot dope. You know. So I'm not saying that doesn't work for everybody. I'm just saying that's my experience because I work in a treatment center where there are people on that medication, and that's fine. You know, for them. You have to be but, careful not to judge, right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. Re- and maybe weren't there when they originally got on stuff. You don't know how bad they were and stuff. But but uh, yeah, I I am gr- I'm. My, here's how I would articulate it. I am profoundly concerned by the excessive enthusiasm for this stuff. Correct. Well, but let That's me the let me Correct. let and me the be devil's they advocate. Say, like, I'll be devil's advocate. Spaces. So you my, got someone in your pocket? My, no. Here's the thing. <laughs> That's Nick. Right twenty now. year olds. <laughs> when we were twenty, if there was the dope on the street of how we used when we were twenty, we'd be dead. We wouldn't be doing a podcast today. I'd be dead of a fentanyl overdose. Yes, you would. For sure. Yeah. So would you. But that's we another died. But that's yeah. another so they're issue. up against yeah. something yeah. that I would rather have them on Suboxone and in outpatient. Yeah. Just until we can figure out this this fentanyl thing. Yeah. This fentanyl thing I, I no, think they're I, making headway about it. They are. But there was a huge death last weekend. Like, there were big, 12 people OD'd in one neighborhood one or room, something? One room. One room. One I, I room. I actually shot that off That never helped. Right. You shot fentanyl? Well, I would get it from a doctor. So liquid, oh my God. 10 mils. Why would he give it to you? Because I had a doctor like that. I'd get 10 mils of that. <laughs> Can we send you it to the state? 10, 10, mil, 10 mil dilated, you know, all liquid, 10 mil. Uh, and that d- guy Demerol, was seeking harm reduction. 10 mil. You know, was he was he trying to keep him alive. Did he give a shit? No, they didn't give a shit. He's oh giving the money. They put it in oh a little brown paper bag, syringes. Oh, Doctor Mark, on it so you could travel. Doctor Howard saying, Mark. I'm like, okay. he's, he's not working anymore. I can tell you that. He's uh, dead, yeah. Howard Mark. No, it's not Howard Mark. Do you remember Dixon? Yes, Dixon yes, Young? yes. Was, was this guy were... a dermatologist? No. Okay. Uh-uh. Oh, he's going after Michael Jackson's yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> Arnie, Arnie Klein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Did you get drugs from him? No. Dude, uh-uh. wait till what? Ashley's book comes out because we talked yeah. a little bit about it. I've been trying to help yeah. him. Let's talk like, about you that. Just gotta, you just got to lay it all on the line and go to Italy for six months. Well, That's no, all you got to do. Listen, the defense Little is true. Italy, or- <laughs> Yeah, I can't defense. afford to go to Italy. Lower, lower East Side. The, no, uh, you're going <laughs> to sell this book because if yeah. you tell the truth, of what you've experienced. I mean, mm-hmm. tell this story about OD and in the hospital and the intensive care thing that you told me at my Which house. Which one? Which were you one? Were in I intensive, yeah, I know. I, you I were in intensive so care and you had... Hey, let me ask, let me ask yeah, this, yeah. though. Uh, your feelings of worthlessness and all that yeah, stuff flying that. around. Yeah. Is that is that still intense? That's still flying around? So here's what's so funny with that. Um, going just just doing my kdac and working in and in, in recovery now i believe what they say i believe that you have to be careful because statistically you can go up and i see it get to people's heads where they're not like you know because it's still a client thing right so 
I work my recovery program still hard. Very, and get an Al-Anon program going. Yeah, Al-Anon yeah. too. Yeah. Very hard. But what it does is it keeps me grounded because, because this addiction doctor told me once, and it wasn't Dr. Drew, uh, he yeah. told me that, let's see, he, he used to deliver kids. And he goes, like, the most, the most painful thing in the world is childbirth, childbirth, yeah. childbirth, childbirth. Yeah. You know, screaming, they break their, their hips, yeah. you know, poop all over themselves, whatever, yeah. screaming. Five months later, they're back pregnant. And he goes, because the human mind forgets. Right. The human mind forgets pain at that level. That's right. And so... It's called state-dependent learning. When you go back into it, you're like, well, what was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. This is state-dependent learning. Where your brain, nature is good to you when it comes to misery and pain. It makes you forget it. Yeah, I know. That's we why almost you, had yeah, babies again. I, I said, know. And then I saw him crying. I had triplets. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. and we, and when they were two years old, we went, oh, they're so great. We should do it again. Then we looked at each other. What the fuck? No, they the were like fuck? a year old. <laughs> they were like year old. Six months. We're they like, were, oh they were all so cute for like 10 minutes. And then we get, and then they started crying. We, Wait, how so. long have you guys been together? When we, we got pregnant? Well, we, I don't know. All together. <laughs> that's, that's another show. We, but, um, <laughs> we started, we, st- we got married since 91. Wow. And okay. together since like But we were together oh, seven wow. years before that's that. That's amazing. And then I had triplets. You guys look so great, too. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Alive and well. He yeah. preserved me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's no, I'm not giving compliments because there's something to be had here. It's, it's oh, just you guys yeah. generally really look, do. Thank you, you look great, both of you. Thank you. Um, Bob will talk and later. They have fun. Um, <laughs> 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 but, but I, I want to get back to the yes, worthlessness yes, again. But you do this forget. Is from yeah, it was. You got me. It's <laughs> making me nervous. I'm stuttering again. Because, <laughs> because I'll tell you what. coming back. No, I'll tell you, he reminds me of. He reminds me of Mike Catherwood a lot, right? Who is this, you know, super good looking guy and he's got everything in his life and he just feels like shit all the time. And and sometimes I think some of that car the car made him feel good for a while. He, he has he things he could do. Rod if I had a cologne, it'd be insecurity by Ashley Hamilton. How's my how's my hair look? Do I look okay? Do you yeah. my arms? But but it's but it's I, sometimes I think it's the drugs. They 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 do do something to the developing brain and that may add to some of that feeling of chronic depression or mm-hmm. something, and then that worthlessness drips in with that. Is that is that what you experience? Yeah, I, to, I would say that's probably correct. You know, are you um, are you working on that? Are you looking at that? Because I mean, after you've been sober about a year, it becomes important to look at that stuff because yes. that that that's what I call full recovery, which is when you're you're like, okay, now I've got my recovery, it's going right. well, and, and now I got to start looking at, and it's very treacherous as you look at these other things. What about antidepressants? You ever been on antidepressants? I I have, but I didn't really find. Were you using? Work? No. No, I, I I stopped him three days ago. I feel great. Oh. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no. A little Lexapro withdrawal? No, no, no. A little Lexapro no, no, withdrawal? No, no. no and I, I think they're good and they have a place. I just, I, I feel fine without them. I've been without them for like four months. Okay. You know? So watch out for it. That's all I'm saying. I feel I, like it's more cognitive thinking. So you can correct it with some self-talk. T- TM's helped a lot. I've Good. done a lot of therapy, but like now I'm very aware of it. And also, you know, I stayed out of work this last year just because I felt like that's such a weird place. There's so much drugs environment. There's so much, okay, how are we doing? Just the validation. I've stayed away. Good. I just worked in treatment and I feel good on a daily basis. You mentioned you know? Robert Downey Jr. a few minutes ago. Yeah. I think it was on, yeah, how many times he'd been treated. The reason he got sober is he just said, I'm, I'm not working and I'm not thinking about going back yeah. to work ever, baby. He asked me once if he should ever return to work. I was like, yeah. Jesus, I, don't know. I can't say that. I would but, say that, but as soon as something came along, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now but, but, I, this year I haven't. I've turned stuff down. Right. Everything. That's, that's really, really particularly for that first year I, I, the reason yeah. I think the reason we had you know when you think about people who have performing lives relapsing frequently it's because they go back too fast they, they, 100%, 100% yeah. and I also feel like I've had years multiple times you know I've had years multiple times but that that worthlessness and not feeling good enough and well, depression get that treated. think of that yeah, as a how symptom how do you get that treated I've sat, I've sat in talk therapy for my whole life yeah and I don't feel like it's really done anything. Well, what if, what if it is a, an injury from the drugs, you know, some brain chemical thing, and you have to, like, find somebody to help you correct that? There's also theories. Dr. That, Drew, volunteering no, right here, Ashley. I'm actually, after, I hear him after volunteering. A week, after a week, you tap out. He's like, Bob, Bob you take him, bro. <laughs> Yeah. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> no, but, no, but he's all into weird stuff now. Okay, the so, bergamot and all that kind of stuff and well, nutrition. No, no okay. yeah. So, supplements. So, so, yeah, I believe yes. in all that too. So check this out. I had, uh, a, brain, I had a subdural hematoma 
trauma. So a pituitary gland was knocked too. And they just did a test last in the last six months where I had no ADH, right? And, and Dude. zero. I was always pissing, drinking. Oh my God. And as you know, it affects the pituitary, which also affects serotonin, dopamine. Well, also, these... your sodium is all whacked out. I, I was eating chicken, salty chicken. And oh I couldn't my stop. God. And this, this professor from Harvard was the one to say, test for this. I, I didn't test low for ADH. I had zero. Zero. So now I take the spray. I forget what it's called. DDAVP. That's it. DDA. So I take that three times a day. What is that? It's ADH. It's a snifter. Yeah. It's this ADH stuff. But but that should tell you. Yeah. And that might you know that should tell you that your brain is like needs some support, needs some help. And no, and I feel better. And they said like within like it takes a couple months to really adjust and start working. You yeah. Know? And yeah. I really feel a huge difference in I'm that. Sure. Just like cognitive and everything. And Maybe feel, there are other hormones too that are out. I mean, yeah. did, did they look at everything else? They're going to take a look again too to see. Yeah, sure. But, good. But, uh, but here's, I want to ask you this question too. So I am, I, I am on HRT and I've seen you, I remember when you were doing yeah. the show, you were like totally against people who were doing steroids. Cause that no, I'm in it. favor of H. I wish I could take okay. HRT. I'd love to take Why HRT. Why can't you? I have prostate cancer. Okay. And well, hormone, hormone, hormone replacement that. therapy. I would love yeah. to. Yeah. I take just, it. Yeah, she takes it. Yeah, for estrogen though. No, and testosterone. Oh, really? Testosterone. Yeah. Okay. And I would, That's why my I would voice really, is so low. I, would, <laughs> I used to be a soprano. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what are you guys into here? Hold on. <laughs> 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 no, I'm telling you. You she want was, to get a hippie. Yeah. This guy's yeah. a hippie. Yeah. No, no. I'm, I love I'm, it. Not, I'm just open to ideas. And yeah. I, but but, but I, would, I keep fantasizing about growth hormone because people have a lot of good stuff from that. And I would love to take a little testosterone. In fact, when I had my prostate taken out... Six seven years ago now, six years ago, seven yeah. years ago, I, I sat down with the guy. I go in five years, you're gonna put you're gonna put me on testosterone. That's my payoff for all this. Yeah. I'm gonna go through. Mm, still not. On. So did so you free. ever take HRT? No. Okay. Well, how do your arms I so t- jacked? This is I just know. He genetic. What 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 level is your testosterone? It, it fluctuates a bunch. between four and eight hundred. See, I, 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 I'm on this uh, sort of keto carnivore diet. Yeah. It's up with that. But see, there's so many different theories on meat too, which yep. is so like back and forth. I can tell you, mine's up on the meat. Okay. It's okay. okay. Why does it have it? See, it doesn't have to be Lexapro or antidepressants or whatever. It can be this stuff. That, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Well, what I'm thinking. Well, let me let tell, me you, tell you something about <laughs> hormones, though. If I I was on antidepressants when I, you know, for a period of time, and it was because I was going through menopause and didn't know okay. it. If I had gone on testosterone and hormone replacement, yes. I would have felt much better and Correct. would have been able to avoid that. Yeah. So I I spent like five years in misery. And then finally, one day, we they told me about bioidenticals, and now I'm mm, a I, lot happier. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, the, are you, you doing bioidenticals? Yes, he has to. The professor, the professor from Harvard, said everything's hormones. Yeah. He goes, everything's yeah. hormones. So how his, you, if you're yeah. a hammer, the whole world's a yeah. nail. That's yeah, what yeah. I would say. It's to a him. beautiful thing. But just as far as getting that uh, just to a certain place, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. So uh, they started me on 12 percent bioidentical testosterone cream, yeah. and it only got me up to 370. Right, because yeah. I was low. I was like yeah. 150 or something. Wow, so you, you, that's low. You're, you're, that's all. Yeah. But do you do pellets? You can get the pellets too. And yeah. They, they no, he's doing, he's doing the, the, the cream. Cream, yeah. yeah. Which but is you fine. can't tell how much you're taking. You know, it's, well, it's really four hard. clicks. Yeah, let him. No, no, no. Let him. That's, if it works, it works. Please, <laughs> Dr. Pinsky. Let, let him follow hey, too bad. the Harvard you, endocrinologist you recommendation. If you IV it, it's going to. No, they put it. They put what they do I, is. I they, know what they do. I know, I know what he's doing. Drifting into it. We're drifting into it. I cause fights wherever I go. Can we stand on Bob? You've done to everywhere you it's go. A mili- it's a miracle that yes. I'm such a happy person yes. now. It's like, a miracle. I was it's so a miracle. <laughs> he's a great. Yes, he's like more hormones, miracle. whatever. Yeah. Pellets, go miracle. for it. Double the pellets. Here, can I just say an environmental thing? Simultaneous to your happiness is an empty nest, also, might I Well, I also. So well, one's bounced sex back every day. Oh, yeah. one's bounced back. Regular, one's bounced back. Oh, okay. I got. I got. So yeah. I got, now that one's in the house, we don't. You do never it as lived much, at but. your parents after you were like eighteen, did you? I, I did when I got sober at twenty because I only had one arm. This arm didn't work, and a <laughs> wow. leg. So no sober livings would take me because I was a liability. Wow. What was wrong with that arm? I overdosed for five days on the left side, and oh. all the oh, nerves you crushed, died. You crushed it. Yeah, dead. I mean, How'd you I, get it back? I couldn't even. They said it was never coming back. It grew back. A, th- a thumb didn't come. Nothing. I mean, I had to have it in a sling because it just fell down. Nothing oh. would move and atrophied the whole thing. Yeah. I, I, one day I was in the car and uh, thumb just went like that by itself, right. and that was the beginning over a couple. Uh, of how years. crazy is that? Uh-huh. I have a question before you go, and not I'm not saying you have to go, but, <laughs> but, but from don't. a parent's point of view, from a, a mother's point of view, if if I was your mother. Mm-hmm. 
and living in the environment that I brought you up in, what would I do differently to help you avoid becoming an addict? Oh, that's a Facebook. That's like all all moms want to know that. How do you prevent Ashley Hamilton from happening? (laughs) Please. Is there anybody got a time machine? I mean, mean, you weren't. Your your father isn't a drug addict. Your mother. I think the military. I got one idea. I think the military school is a wrong thing. Let him answer it. I think it's a wrong thing. I mean, not. I mean, that's your junkie self saying it reinforces abandonment. I kind of believe in environment being a big factor. I got I got two questions for you to come back to. For this is where. Yes, I'm going to answer that. What I'm going to say is that uh, it's DNA part. I have alcoholism all around my family. Oh, okay. Um, my uncle died of cirrhosis of liver from drinking himself to death. Yeah. Um, on your dad's side or your mom's side? On my dad's side. But my mom, my mom's d- dad was an alcoholic mom. I mean, it's just like Cherokee that got the Indian oh, the, blood so, okay, too. so the Cherokee is a major yeah. burden. Yeah. That's, that's a so very so heavy. So it's hereditary. 50%. Right? All you need is a quarter percent Cherokee. Yeah. And that's a heavy hit for addiction. Yeah. So being in a rock star home with a lot of on the road and being around drugs and alcohol, if you didn't have that, how, what would have, the, the one thing I can say is kind of goes back to the question earlier was, was I always felt uncomfortable because, you know, because of the dynamic I grew up in. So I, as soon as I could escape, I wanted to escape. You know, the, the problem is you can't escape. There's nowhere you can go right. that you can escape it. It's not like a small town and you'll say your dad's a sheriff and you feel the same way. You have the same feelings, but you want to leave home. It doesn't matter where you go. You know, that's the problem with, with everybody knows you yeah, everywhere. And I always hated that. And I always felt like I never got the do I thought I should got with the work I did because it was always overshadowing, which created more drugs and more resentment. And I feel like, yes, that was a huge factor. I feel like uh, I had uh, childhood, you know, trauma, which was a huge thing. Right. What, what Can you talk about the what happened? The divorce? Uh, the trauma-wise? Yeah. I was molested as a kid so oh, like that, yeah. in, in that household. So that oh, yeah. with all that stuff, you know, and then, and then the, the that, that DNA I always felt, side. I always, by the way, always felt that's what Scott never got over. Yeah. Didn't he have something like that happen? His, yeah, his was awful. Yeah, yeah, that's what he never, ever, like ever, was yeah. even willing to talk about, really. Yeah, so that's that. Trauma is a key, key thing. Huge, huge. But yeah. then, but then, let's just look at the positive side. You got the our mutual friends that we're talking about that were in the same band or sober for decades, transcending their pain and abuse. I would say, I would say, AK's trauma as a child is the worst I've ever heard. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So mine is pretty bad. Using drugs with your mom, partying with your mom, you know what I mean? Shooting drugs with your dad yeah, is but, kind but, of a, a, about, like, there's just chaos. But, but there, but yeah, when, we can get sober. Both, uh, I was sexually abused as a kid. You can, there's, a, there's another side of that. That doesn't give you a death sentence to have to die like Scott. No, correct. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, 100%. I just think that I, I Scott think that- never wanted to be right-sized. And, and he suffered from mental illness, too, which is never addressed. People kind of overlook that all the time because of who he was. I feel like somehow he got away with a lot of the mental illness side, too. Uh, Mary and I always talk about that. You well, know, he, he had, had that eating disorder. Eating, eating disorder. Too, which I suffered from as well. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a huge one. That, was, that kept taking me out after years of sobriety many times. Like, I could not stop throwing up bulimia. Oh, and, and I was living like – I always say there's nothing worse than active addiction and recovery because you're supposed to be rocking to this fourth dimension. Yeah, yeah. Everybody seems so joyous in these programs. Oh, no, and you're no, like, no, why don't no. I – I don't have that, you know, and you can't stop stop and you feel the same way and it's you got introduced into mike uh, this is the exact same stuff. Oh, mike's no. got the exact same stuff but mike's all buff now <laughs> but it's not necessarily what good. Are you to say bob okay no, so if i was a mom and i was a celebrity and i would put less pressure on my kids to be perfect or be a part of the or i wouldn't make them a part of the i scene. i think i think i saw really young and i'd be very overprotective make sure you know. I, I think i saw really young that to be loved you had to have these things my dad was at the top of his game rod was at the top of this game this to me it, it, you know equaled love you know and, and and i feel like i had to have all the stuff to just to be okay yeah. and, and i never seemed to achieve that and i always felt less than and yeah, worse yeah. about but myself. at a certain point my when you met like your tribe when you met your That's tribe of 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 people None of us believed that. But the thing is, that's where we're like, when we did the Wonder Girls record with me and Wyland and, yeah. and all the guys and Martine, as you're saying, like, that's the great thing about addicts. And like I said, I have to be like Bob is because we all get together and we do are able to share that. Mm-hmm. It's not so sure. burdenous. Yeah, there's lots of other therapy stuff, but there's there's power in those numbers. No, there's support on a... On a, on a what, you know who used to... I, forget, I remember the psychiatrist's name. It was the guy that he was... 
can't remember his name, but he said that you know addicts commune on a, on a shared level of pain. That you, you're all yes. together in your in yes. your shared experiences, yes. and it, and you know, the I'm okay. I've experienced it. I support you. I see you. I know you. Yes. And and if you're an addict, you don't necessarily trust that. But if you Correct. really believe that somebody's been walked in your shoes, yeah. it's sort of a weak way of saying it. It, it connects you, and and, the, and and that's the piece. Humans are better when they're connected. They're just better. We're all better. We are. And that's the problem with society now, like we were talking about earlier, is that we're, we're separating each other, so 100%. there is no togetherness anymore. 100%. It's just you know, individuals and that's it. But but it's 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 fascinating all this stuff. But I, but I find that to all be true with what you're saying. I mean, is we need each other. And I also find, like it's what you said as well, uh, Drew, is that that I, if you tell me what to do, I'm going to be like, go screw yourself, you know? But if I'm like, well, how did Bob do that? He seems to be doing this. I have to, alcoholics, we have to approach you and go, hey, Bob, how did you yeah. do a- alcoholics, this? Alcoholics respond to people that care about them in one of two ways. You abandoned me or yeah. you're trying to control me. Yeah. <laughs> one or the yeah. other. You're the boss of me. You're <laughs> yeah. the boss of me or you're going to so leave true. me. And God, it's like so there's true. no in between. It's, so, God, that's so it's like true. so when you're a co, it's like, I'm doing neither, man. I'm just oh, here. It's so true. <laughs> So. I need to work on that. I feel like it's so true. I feel you're like that, that's alcohol. You're doing yeah. a lot of the things yeah. that yeah. I like. You're staying away from Hollywood. Yeah, so, you stay with in, the winners. You stay live, with the winners. live in Huntington so, Beach, correct? So yes, uh, Huntington Beach. Oh, Newport. Oh, <laughs> look at that. That's you live in Newport? <laughs> I do. I do. No, I, 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 that's where she's from. I love that's Newport. Right. I grew up there. Yeah, I was in Huntington too. I I love Huntington. <laughs> No, Huntington's great. I love Huntington. Bob I got to be careful because they'll beat me up over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in Laguna now. But, yeah, Laguna's great, yeah, too. Yeah, I'm in Laguna. But I, I was mean, saying, it's a good place But back to your question about raising kids. You, you raise them in a place where there's just families and schools and, like, where you're raising your kids. You try to stay out of the yeah, whatever. Yeah, so it's hard. That's such a hard question hard. To, yeah. to answer. But I think one of the one of the things is really watch your kids. Really watch oh, yeah. who's around them. Yeah. Be and, paranoid. Yes, and just be really involved as you can in their lives. Be paranoid, you know? Um, because I think a lot, you know, it, it just, just being in this town brings in a lot of bad energy around, yeah. you know, and it's it's easy to fall into that. I feel like, yeah. you know, right. have time for. But people. it also does some. Yeah. Good. I learned that at a funeral yesterday. Mm. This old Chinese guy died, and his his message was to to have time for people. Yeah. Have time for your kids. Have time for your family. And somebody said to me, I was reading something there, like to show people, like it's not about the conversation necessarily. When you stop at work to talk to somebody, it, it, it's not, don't judge the meaningless conversation. Judge that you're stopping there to honor this person and be like, I, I, I honor you enough to stand here and, right. and have this with and, you. And I would argue that the piece, I, I'm, I'm going to think a lot more about this in the next couple of years, but Human bodies, two bodies in space, communicate in ways that we're not aware of, that yep. are important. Like us just sitting here, yep. we're all kinds of information is going back and yep. forth. I mean, we look at each other, we look at each other in the eyes, we think, we talk, but really there's this some biorhythmic flow or some God knows oh, who no, knows what is. going between two people. And when, when, that, when you allow that to happen in space, in closeness... It's healthy. It's healing. It's good. That's how Gandhi yeah. changed everything. Mm-hmm. The, the frequency, the vibration. We, we raise it up when we're together in this. And that's like Which is another way to quickly on TM. How, how, um, Interception. Oh. How, how is that affecting the team? It's like a football team. It's like the closeness between a football yes, team. Yes, yes, yes. But why, did, why do all you guys say, my team, my team, <laughs> my team lost? Because like, these guys don't know who you are. Like, I didn't know you were on the team. You know? like, I got the shirt. Yeah, totally. This is, it's but, actually kind of cool, though, because like this is a huge game, and it's really fun to watch you guys I think, talk uh, and then watch this at the same time. I, I think we should do it every week. <laughs> you, you, you guys are going to teach me the game? So, but we don't talk. We don't. But we don't talk about. Resets the brain. That's what it does. Well, Dan Siegel. If people are interested in meditation, he writes a bunch of books on mindfulness. What's your experience with it? Okay, so I, I, and I'm gonna break it down to this. Bob and I were having a conversation earlier about it today. I believe. So we get to the part of the book in Alcoholics Anonymous where it says God is everything or nothing. Now you can replace that and you can say program is everything or nothing. Right? Program is everything or nothing. Now if it's nothing, I can choose that. That's my choice. But if it's everything. It's also prayer meditation, right? So it's not like 11 and a half steps. It's, it's everything. And I always left that component out, you know, always left it out. And, and, and Bill Wilson talks about in the book many times about meditation and prayer. Um, and I sent Bob, did I send you an article today about that or no? There's mm-hmm. an article I read yesterday about Bill Wilson when he finally went to Transcendental Meditation. He said, he f- I finally understood what meditation was really about. And mm-hmm. that was like in 1960 or something. But um, I find that my whole life I've always been – you know, I've always just been like reactive. You know, I haven't been able to respond. Yeah. And I feel like TM has made me able to 
respond, even though I talk fast and blah, 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 but like my, as far as my feelings go or something I think that you've done or perceived, like I can kind of move back. And there's this oneness where you move with whatever that energy you were just talking about is, you start to feel that energy and you transcend and you quiet down the mind. Now mm-hmm. I've done mindfulness. I love mindfulness, but there's something about TM just about, you know, transcending okay. and being awake and in that, you know, because 11 Step says conscious contact, right? Like, I mean, it's so spiritual. And we forget all that stuff, you know? We just hang out meetings. Oh, yeah, I've been through the steps and sponsoring dudes. But we really forget that spiritual part, right? And the word spiritual has the word ritual in it. Every So it's something I do every day, ritual, you know? And you grow by that. And, and I would argue that's part when we talk about full recovery. That's the kind of stuff I, I, I think we got to make sure people add in as their primary recovery takes hold. But it's so hard. You have to be like... Know. Desperate for it, and I think it's hokey pokey. You know, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta be willing. Yeah. Bottom line, you gotta be willing. Yeah, gentlemen, was, uh, you call me a gentleman. A I'm, just, I'm so glad <laughs> you're. I'm so glad you guys found each other. I'm yeah, so happy. Yeah, me for too. Yeah. Me too. It's been fun. Bob's yeah. gonna be my mentor. Good. Yeah. It, yeah. It, he, he's, he's just gotta call me. He's just gotta call me back do. more. Just tell him all what not to do. <laughs> what does he have to do more? Call me call back, back more. Yeah. Oh, you gotta text him. Don't, yeah. don't leave any messages. No, I'm kind of the same way. It's a new generation. They call you like they get afraid. Like right. you stalking me. You know. You have to get uh. in line with the Rolling Stones here. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh Bob got text. A, Bob text. got some text from text. Keith Richards. Yeah, that's understandable. Stepdad's Rod Stewart. I got to get present. It's already down here. I mean. No, that's impressive. That's... He responds to me because he knows he can make money. But that's, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, we can make money. Yeah. He knows yeah. the hell you'll give him if you don't respond. That's... Yeah, you should, yeah, you should come back. Yeah. I'd love to do anytime. Yeah, it's good. It's great to hang out. Beautiful. Here. I love hanging out in this environment too, where it's not so corporate. Like yeah. Yeah, every time I've done yeah. something with him, it's still it's like I don't know. I don't no, know. this is do we just sit and chat? There's yeah, like, and watch football. Different. Yeah, watch football. <laughs> yeah. We're men's men. It's a weird, different. Why don't we watch this last field goal here? Yeah, here it goes. Game on the line. They're well, gonna they're gonna ice him. It's gonna be a no, no, no. It's Twenty three to twenty three. And over fifty five yards. Time out. Time for a field goal. They're gonna They call timeout. Of course, they're gonna ice him. I'm just glad we got to see it because if we had heard this had happened, we'd be pissed. All right, thank you, everybody. We'll see all that gashy things. Sorry. All right, that's about it for this episode of This Life. Thanks for listening and subscribing on your favorite platforms. Rate us five stars and tell a friend. Also, be sure to visit drdrew.com for the latest news. We'll tell you where you can find all of our health-related content, including the latest in-depth series, The History of Opium. You can now listen to it on the weekly Infusion podcast. We have some great and very interesting and appropriate interviews with key historical players in the history of opium. We're excited about our newest podcast, Dr. Drew After Dark, which has been described as a dark web reboot of Loveline. It's the hottest guest spot for all the most popular comedians. Beware, it is for a mature audience. It is kind of a reboot of Loveline. You can hear the episodes first in a podcast form Thursday. Then on Friday, you can watch all the video episodes when the YouTube page drops on the Your Mom's House YouTube channel. New episodes every week. Subscribe, tell a friend. Also on Doctor.com, you can find Swole Patrol, our health and fitness podcast with Mike Catherwood. If you want something a bit more refined that will expand your intellectual horizons, please subscribe to the Dr. Drew Podcast, where I feature a wide variety of very interesting and important guests. Get in-depth interviews there. Last but not least, me and Adam, Adam and Dr. Drew Show Podcast. It's a lot of fun, and we are still together, and you can get it five days a week. So go to DrDrew.com, please tell a friend, and we thank you for it. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.